1: What's going on, everybody? Rob Doster here for the Field of 60. Today, we are bringing you another episode in our off- the carousel series where we will be joined by each and every new head coach to the division one ranks. There are almost 60 of them. We're going to be rolling these out a couple of days throughout the month of May and the month of June. So make sure that you subscribe to the channel. And if you like this interview, don't be afraid to tap that like button. That stuff really does help our channel and help our presence on YouTube. It helps more people like you find this content. And since I have you guys here, make sure that you check out our Instagram and TikTok pages. We are going to be pumping out more unique content over there throughout the summer heading into next season. Like, for example, did you know that Penny Hardaway was shot when he was a player in college? I bet you didn't know that. There are more stories like that on those pages. The links are in the description below. So now, without further ado, let's get into another edition of Off the Carousel.
2: Davis is here with the Field of 68 and on today's episode of Off the Carousel I'm joined by new Binghamton coach Lavelle Sanders and Sanders was the interim head coach for the Bearcats last season that tag was removed a couple months ago so congrats on that coach congrats on becoming the permanent coach and before Binghamton he spent 21 years in Czech Republic as both a player and a coach and so we're excited to have him on the program today thanks for being on Lavelle how are you doing? I'm
3: good, Riley, man. Appreciate appreciate you having me on. It's always good to be able to come on and talk basketball and, you know, all those kind of things, so appreciate it.
2: Of course, yeah, we're glad to have you here. And uh, really just wanted to get right into it and ask a little bit, just what was the process of of getting the interim tag as the head coach and then even going from the, the interim to the head coach? How did that process unfold?
3: Um, I mean, I think most of it is just about, you know, how your team performed. You know, um, of course, I had to go through an inter- interview process, but I think, you know, those things kind of take care of itself. And it's more about, you know, how how players perform and your results um, is kind of what I, I I feel moves, moves the needle in either, you know, getting the the tag removed or, or you not getting the job. So, um, yeah, I, I would I would say that's that's that was a process really.
2: Yeah. Well, now that you are the the undisputed head coach, no interim tag anymore. You got that permanent title. How would you describe your emotions as you, as you go into your first offseason as the full time head coach? You know what? I,
3: I, there's no there's, I don't have any kind of different emotions than I had last offseason. Um, I think, you know, you're trying to prepare the team. You know, right now we're in a process of still you know trying to bring student athletes you know, to our university. Um, the, the probably one thing that's a little bit different is that, you know, there's some, you know, a lot of lot, a lot of times last summer, you know, parents and, and kids were asking about, you know, if I was going to be here, uh, if I was going to be the head coach um, and, you know, you weren't really able to tell them for sure, even though, you know, you're confident in your ability, um, but still you never know how those things play out. And so that's probably the one difference. The one difference is just being able to, you know, tell student athletes and their parents that you know we're we are going to be here for for a few years Um, and then like i said there's really no i don't feel any different it's still a work you got to do you still have to prepare the team you know again we're still in the process of building our team and so once we get our team built um, you know then you can kind of figure out you know from there how you want to do things going forward
2: Mm-hmm. yeah it seems like probably not a whole lot has changed other than you got some more security now but yeah it sounds like you've been confident in your ability and it's clear that the the work doesn't stop it's really just just starting and I can tell that but even Definitely. looking look looking back before your time at Binghamton how, how did you even first get into coaching
3: um well I um I was playing um over in the Czech Republic and you know I, I had I had been a player assistant um well I was as I was playing I was I was an assistant coach and um that didn't go too well just because it was it was a great experience um, for me and I think it really think it helped me um but I, I don't think it went well because you know coach our head coach felt that you know the players weren't comfortable in the locker room with me being you know a player and also being an assistant coach and so we we we, we didn't we, we stopped doing that and then um I got hurt on my 40th birthday. I tore a rotated cuff in my shoulder. And so I was rehabbing to, um, I was rehabbing to to come back to play to try to make it back for the playoffs. And then our coach, our head coach resigned and um, his his wife was having some health issues and he, I think he was kind of burnt out. And um, my plan was to become, to be an assistant coach the following year. And so, um, you know, I had played there. People had knew me, Um and so when that happened, they, you know, management called me to the office and asked me if I wanted to, to take over the position. It was kind of the same thing. I was kind of like an interim, just kind of finishing out the season. And, you know, we went from like, I think we, we, we when I took over, we were like in sixth place. And I want to say we, we we went to the semifinals. We finished the league and we finished in third place. And so kind of like here, I, you know, was able to to win over the position. And then, you know, that's how it all started.
2: <laughs> so you kind of went from playing to full-time coaching, it yeah, was. It was quick.
3: It was quick. I was <laughs> I was rehabbing. Um, I remember I was rehabbing. And so we I think we lost a game. I want to say it was like a Tuesday or Wednesday. And then that night they called you know, managed the GM, a couple of the owners, um, head coach was actually in there, called me into the office and we, we spoke for a while. And um, so, yeah, it was like one day I was in a, a, a player and the next day I was running, you know, running a practice, you know, so uh, it happened that quick.
2: You know what as crazy as, as a story of that is that transitioning so quick, I don't want our, our listeners to overlook the fact that you were playing professional basketball till you were 40. Like, that's pretty crazy right there was that was that like a goal of yours? like did you ever think like I'm gonna make it till I'm 40 or, or is that just sort of how it unfolded?
3: No, nah, I, I, that wasn't a goal it was wow. I was just playing and I stayed healthy you know I, after my second year, I think, is when I really, after my second year playing, being a professional, I really started to take care of my body and, um, you know, tried to eat right. And, you know, I, I didn't do a lot of uh, basketball and I didn't play a lot when I came home for those summers. You know, the, the, the overseas uh, schedule is such a grueling schedule. I mean, it's a 10 month schedule. You're playing, you know, twice a day, uh, twice a week, um, traveling, you know, not the greatest travel, you know, wow. depending on where you are. Um, and then you know, you're, sometimes you're practicing twice a day. I mean, you have some coaches that run you in the ground, you know. Uh, and so the, the, the season is so, so grueling and taxing on your body. Um, whenever I came home, I, I didn't do much. I had a house in Florida. I, I went down to Florida and, and just really, really relaxed. I would run and, and, and probably play a little bit of tennis and, and kind of do some cross training that way, but not in much of basketball. And I really think that, that helped put some years on my career um, by not coming home and playing a whole bunch of basketball and, and beating myself up. You know, I I gave my gave myself opportunity to relax and heal. Um, So, yeah. So but playing the 40 was definitely something I didn't I didn't think I I would be playing until I was four. I didn't think I would play till I was 40, but it just happened. And then I was probably supposed to finish the year before because I always said I always knew that when when like practice and training um, wasn't fun. I kind of felt that was it would be time for me to go. And I remember that that summer before my before I turned 40 I was 39 and and it was so hard to practice it was you know it it felt like it felt like work you know and um and I like I said I probably probably played one year too many um and ended up getting hurt because of that Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm. well that's still extremely impressive to be able to continue your career that long and and being able to take care of your body and eating right because been to Czech Republic I know the food there is pretty heavy it's also pretty tasty so you know just having to be careful about that and everything but how did your time going off of that your time both playing and coaching in Czech Republic how would you say that's influenced your coaching style now
3: yeah I mean I think mostly everything that I kind of know about basketball or things that I I like to use are kind of like from overseas right because that's been the biggest influence um you know i've I've had you know really good coaches over here in the u.s um, but i was a young guy didn't probably pay attention to much when i was you know um over here going to you know in 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 college and uh, in terms of paying attention to the coaching and 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 how guy and how my coaches coached and all those kind of things but you know once i got overseas and became professional you know and then also when i started to get you know towards the end of my career and I knew that coaching was something that I wanted to do, I started to pay attention a little bit more and, um, you know, just some of the great European coaches that, you know, I've watched while I was over there um, has, has really kind of had a big influence on on some of the things that I, that I do. And then, you know, just playing against a lot of the coaches um, and and liking some of the things that they do and, and how teams guarded you or some of the offensive sets they played, um i so i would say uh, you know majority of my influence is, is from the european game
2: mm-hmm. yeah going off of that is there anything when you when you look at the way the europeans play the game is is there one biggest takeaway or is it just sort of the overall style what would you say is the biggest takeaway
3: i just think that the the team aspect um you know i think the the european players are not as um and and majority or i'm i'm generalizing are not as it's probably athletically gifted, um, probably not as talented in terms of being able to score the ball. And so uh, I think European coaches do a really good job of getting their, their, their guys to buy into team basketball. Um, and I, I just think that it's, it's so much easier to be um, successful. If you can kind of do it as a team It's what we talk about all the time is doing it together. Um, but, you know, I think that's probably the biggest thing that I that I, that I take away, and I you know I think some you know the the, the game is a little is shifting. I think right. a lot more coaches from over here are, are kind of copying the, the European style, and um, I think because you know Coach Popovich has been successful, probably doing it the 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 earliest or the first, um, a lot of people are kind of you know taking taking you know notice. Also, I think with, you know, USA basketball and, and a lot of coaches getting this opportunity to go overseas and play against a lot of the, the coaches and, the, and a lot of the players, I, you know, I think they, they, they steal a lot of things. I remember when you know, Coach Thibodeau was, was was famous for the ice defense and, you know, it was such a new thing over here. And I was always laughing because, you know, that thing had, you know, they were playing, we call it in, in the overseas, they call it base um and so they, they they have been doing that for so long um but you know Thibodeau went over coaching on the USA team and, and seen somebody doing it over there and then he brought it back over here and then it became really popular so um I, I do think the game is a little bit more advanced overseas um and, and I think a lot of the trends um uh, from basketball do come from overseas um so I yeah I I, I, I really I really enjoy kind of being a student of the European game
2: yeah it's it's so fascinating to see the ways in which current trends here like I mean even like icing ball screens that's something that it seems like almost every team in the country is trying to do now and meanwhile when you were overseas it's like that's what we've been doing this whole time but even even turning off the looking at stepping away from the basketball court uh what would you say is your best story or craziest story of experiencing culture shock either in Czech Republic or in any of the other in any other countries you played in
3: um you know I I think it's just a the the language barrier right like you grew up all your life communicating being able to speak Uh, I'm just gonna plug my computer so it doesn't die on us (laughs) it's all good um yeah, I think I think um, you know just the the language barrier. Uh, you know, you you don't you don't really understand how different that is when you're going into a you know a country and you know you don't speak any of the language. And especially when I went overseas in 1998, you know, um, not a lot of people were speaking English um, in the Czech Republic. And I went to a small town. It was, it was you know I went to a small town and. One of the, a couple of things shocked me was, um I was the first African American that had been in that town. You know, it was about twenty thousand people. and um, you know, they were like touching my skin, touching my hair, because um, they had never seen, you know, never never been around a you know African American before, or black person. and so that was um that was that was shocking because I hadn't experienced that before. Um, but yeah, like I think, you know, going to the grocery store and trying to order, like trying to get like a half a pound of cheese. And at the time I was eating meat. So I was, you know, I, I used to like to get salami and, you know, those things, those day to day things that, you know, you were used to doing and you never even kind of it was just second nature. You never even thought about it. It was like so difficult. Right. And I remember also like we uh, my head coach didn't speak English. And so the assistant coach had to translate everything and then You know how that is. Things get uh-huh. lost in translation. The assistant coach is telling you what he wants you to, what he wants to tell you, not what the head coach is saying. Um, but we had to change all of our, you know, we didn't do anything verbal in terms of like play calling. We had to do everything like nonverbal with, with hands, you know, head, two, five, you know, um, so that was, that was, that was also, you know, was, was different, um, you know, but, you know, just to, yeah, I think the, the language part is probably the biggest thing.
2: Uh-huh, uh-huh yeah I'm sure anybody listening or watching if you've ever been overseas and just gone to a grocery store you they they all relate to how frustrating that can be, how challenging even the most simple the most simple tasks can become when we're we're in a, a different culture than our home but
3: yeah and i I remember when I first went to a bank uh, my team didn't go up, they didn't they didn't send anybody to, with me to to set up a bank account you know it took me about two hours to set up a bank account. I was like, man you know?
2: <laughs> and that was probably maybe back in 1998. It was, you didn't have like a Charles Schwab card, or I know a lot of banks do travel cards that just make it easy to access your money in the in the States. Sounds yeah. like a struggle. <laughs> yes.
3: And I was, you know, the, the other crazy thing was I, you know, I was what, 22 when I went over and um you know I was kind of everything I I was kind of like on my grandmother's bank account everything right and she she belongs to like a little municipal credit union um and they didn't do business with like the the European bank that I you know so it was like I had to when I wanted to send money home I had to send money to like for example the the, I don't know Bank of America the Bank Uh, of America would send it to like my small little credit union you know um so you know all of those things were, were were funny when I first you know so, I mean, it was frustrating, but but now I look back, it was funny um, to, you know, to go through those those kind of things.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, turning to the present, for those who, who are watching who might not know this, but you led Bingham Binghampton to its most conference wins and its highest Kimpom finish since 2010 last season. So, looking to the future, how do you plan to, to build off of that?
3: Um, I think, you know, well, with, 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 we had a bunch of guys transfer out. You know, we had like six guys leaving the transfer portal. Um, but with that, I think we were able to bring in um, some pretty good players. Uh, I think for us, everything starts on the defensive end. Um, you know, we, we have to continue to get better and better defensively. I think, I want to say the year before, we were given like 72 points a game. I think this year was probably 67, 68 you know, we need to cut that down probably like 63, you know, I think, you know, if we can get around 62, 62 points to game, those are, I think those are the numbers that the last two conference champion finished with. Um, so then you, you put yourself in a much better position if you can, you can guard. Um, so that's always going to be first and foremost for us is just being able to, to defend at a high level um, and, and, and and be able to hold teams to, to, to points uh, to, to less points. And then, you know, I think the other thing is being able to, you know, get good student athletes in here that, you know, that can play, that are talented. Cause I don't think, you know, I don't care how much you think, you know, as a coach and how good you think you are as a coach, you know, if you don't have talented players, you know, nothing's really going to happen for you. You know, you're, 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 you'll be able to get some level of success, but you know, you're you're not going on to win championships if you don't have talent. Um, so that's what we got to continue to do. You know, Binghamton is a really good academic institution. We have high standards and so we can't get everybody in school. And so we, we need to, you know, we need to cast a, a wide net, you know, so we can, we can, we can pick up some, some, some student athletes, but you know, we, we're on, we're on the right track. I think we're on the right track. I think we got some good people, you know, think, I know we have good people in our staff. We got good people in our organization. Um, And so, you know, like I said, we'll, 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 we'll get, we'll be better next year for sure. I think having a year of just knowing kind of what to expect from us, and and, and coaching staff knowing what to expect from the players, um, I think you know we'll we'll I think a lot of things that I because like I told you I was probably doing a lot of things that that I, I learned from Europe, and so I, I, you know the guys weren't um, picking it up as as quick as I thought they would, um, and so I think now having a year under our under our belts and and those guys being able to grasp those things a little bit quicker will help us be a better team.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I love that your your first response, it really zeroed in on defense, on guarding people, on that toughness, because it just reminds me about your college teammate, Shaheen Holloway, just made this spectacular run to the Elite Eight, the viewers you might remember, St. Peter's, but throughout that run, his his team's brand of this, this New York or New Jersey toughness, that repeatedly came up, and I know Binghamton being in New York, I think you're a native to Jamaica, Queens, how do you as a coach, do you do you model and embrace that same mindset of that toughness
3: yeah i'm actually i'm actually from brooklyn new york oh sorry um, I, went, I went to high school and um i went to i went to jamaica high school um and, sh- and and shy is from 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 jamaica queens um south side but um yeah i think you know i just think that in, if you want to be good or you know you want to achieve any kind of success like you have to be tough uh you have to be consistent um, I think they, they gave every program like, you know, like our program, the blueprint, right? Like if you can guard people, uh, which they were able to do, it didn't matter what, what school it was, they were able to guard, um, you know, um, you have, you give yourself an opportunity and you give yourself a chance. And we, we don't have a lot of kids from New York City, but we got kids from Baltimore. Um, that's, that's the inner city. That's just like being from New York City, right? Those kids are tough um you know and, and our kids I think again I, a lot of the kids that I talked to it, it was about like yo you see what St. Peter's did um like we can be we can be St. Peter's right like but we got to make sure you know we compete and, and play at a high level I think that's 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 one of the things that we talk about all the time is just competing you know like you have to compete you have to have a le- a certain level of, level of competitiveness um if you want to be good at, at something right and so um, that's kind of like where it starts. But playing hard and, and defending is, is is things you if you if you want to you can't talk about being good or you can't you can't really get to all of the other things if you if you can't play hard and you can't defend um, because you won't have a chance to win. We you know everybody knows they said defense wins championships and it's absolutely true. Like you have to be able to hold teams uh, from scoring. You know when the game slows down and it's is it's, it's, it's two minutes left in the game. You know it's a half court game like can you stop the other team from scoring right like that's that's what it comes down to and I think you know St. Peter showed that and I mean I was man I was I was you know it was like I was having goosebumps watching those games um in the house you know my 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 wife you know was over she was overseas with my, my younger daughter and my older my oldest daughter was like sleeping and I would be you know downstairs watching those games and it was just like man it was I was getting goosebumps.
2: Uh, yeah, that's got to be amazing to watch your your former teammate just to reach those heights. But also as a coach and as a competitor, you see that and it's like if they can do it, why can't Bingham to do it next? So
3: right, that's what I, that's what I'm saying. I think they they just gave everybody the blueprint. You know, like if you look at St. Peter's, um, I don't think they had a team that was more talented than our team. I just think that they they defended. You know, um, they played together and they had they had great belief and I'm. And that, you know, that comes from that comes from shy. like He's he's always been that way as a you know as a, as, a, as a player. I mean, somebody was asking me something about him and I was saying I remember when Allen Iverson was at um, Georgetown. We we would play against Georgetown. I, I just kind of felt like he gave his the players on his team so much confidence. Right. Um, and I think confidence is something like I don't know about any other sport, but if in basketball, if you don't have confidence, it's hard to be good, you know. Um, and it was the same thing with shot like shot came to Seton Hall I was a, I was a junior his freshman year, but he because he was so confident and, 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 and he made everybody else confident right like he made everybody else felt like they were the best players in the league and because he felt that way and so I, I'm pretty sure he kind of just did the same thing with his team, um, because of how confident he is and his ability, um, he makes everybody around him have that same confidence, that same swagger. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. And going off of that, we'll close with this question. Uh, How do you as a coach seek to impart that same type of confidence into your, into your student athletes?
3: So for me, confidence come from, come from preparation, you know, and I think that, you know, if you are, or you prepare yourself, um, you can be confident or you will be confident. You know, I remember when I was a player, you know, I, I was confident as a player because I put the work in, Right, I I did a I took a lot of extra shots. I I put a lot of extra time in the gym. Um, It's the same thing with with school, man. If you if you're going to have a test and you study all week or however long for the test, when you go take that test, you're gonna be super confident. But when you don't study and you don't put the work in, you're not confident. And so that's for me is that that's just my message to our guys is like, you know, right now we're not we you know we we had our spring workouts. We're not doing you know school is coming to an end now about to take finals. But, you know, like we can only do eight hours a week of, of, of practice, right, like of instruction. But eight hours a week is not enough. Like, like, you know, like when I was a kid, I was playing all the time. You know, we didn't have coaches to – coach couldn't spend any time with us, you know. Um, now you have opportunity to do eight hours a week, but it's like, yo, you've got to be able to get out there and, and, and work and, and build your, your confidence and build your game so when it's time to perform, right, like you can go out there and perform. And so, yeah, for me, it's just the preparation. And we, I think we prepare our guys and we and we put our guys in position to be successful. I think that's another thing as coaches. It's our job to put put players in position to be successful. And so um, the preparation will give you the, the opportunity to be confident.
2: Appreciate your time, coach. Best of luck for uh, the rest of the offseason and going into next season.
3: I appreciate it, man. Thank you.